Hello and welcome to the After Dinner Podcast. My name is Jay Swords. This is the podcast extension for ROI Show 509. Our guest for today is Lanisha Cassell, Executive Director of the African American Museum of Iowa, and we're going to be talking about the mission and vision of the African American Museum of Iowa. Our history buffs today are Brett Menard and Ed Broders. Brett, why don't you start us off? Gladly. So if you had a donor come in and say, we have 10 million bucks, do with it what you will. <laughs> what is the... <laughs> <laughs> what what is the exhibit uh, that you'd want to design if if you had oh, okay. any excess resources to kind of play around with or, oh my or other museum that you'd like to collaborate with? I well, you know, I can I can I take it a different route? Um, sure. <laughs> I'm not sure. We have a lot of we do a community survey for our exhibits the last maybe three or four years, and so we usually narrow it down to five, and we let the community help us decide. But honestly, I would want to have um, additional. Uh, physical locations, Des Moines, you know, Davenport, Waterloo, mm-hmm. Sioux City. I would want to have other locations so that people would have additional access to our content. And with that amount of money, I could at least do one more. So, <laughs> and then, and, and I would have space to do multiple exhibits. So then we wouldn't have to necessarily narrow it down. I think Foodways is one we're talking about right now. We've been talking about demystifying the Underground Railroad. Um, that's a very popular topic, the, the Underground Railroad, but but not from the perspective that we usually share it. And so that's one that's been kind of on the list uh, for a couple of years that we're looking at, and it rated kind of high on the um, survey that we just did. Um, so there's a, lot of, there's a lot of content we want to share that hasn't, we haven't done yet. So, Ed, in regards to the Underground Railroad work that you're doing, uh, you said that it would be presented maybe in a different perspective than what most of us are used to have mm-hmm. perceived it. What, what exactly... Or generally, would that what what would that perspective be? Sure, I'll do general because we're we haven't been studying it. We just kind of put it out there as a potential mm-hmm. idea. But okay, so from the it's usually told from the white savior perspective. You know, we save the day, um, but it's never really been told, at least not from us anyway, um, where African Americans actually had to do something to be rescued. There had to be a level of taking risks and, um, you know, uh, uh, bringing others along and all of those things. You know, not stories that we haven't heard, but never usually the 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 um, the focus. Usually, it's about the the the. Um, the people who were the rescuers, the people who were the conductors, and the the places where they you know where they hid and all those things, which are important and relevant, but I think a, a different perspective, I think would be timely, so that you know there's there's this this idea that um, that there was no role that the the um, enslaved people played in their own survival. Um, before we totally leave the topic, I want to come back to sort of that mission and vision. Um, I, I got to tell you, I love the idea of having functionally branch um, uh, museums all over the state. I think that's a wonderful idea, not not only for the, the mission of, of um, presenting information, but also, um, you know, in terms of being able to gather materials and having accessibility for folks and, and um, you know, being visible within multiple communities. And I just think that's a really cool idea. So my question is, what other kinds of visions are, are floating around out there that you guys are mulling about in, in what would, I guess, my, our friend, our business friend Rick Sweet would say in a five-year plan? Sure. I think something that we've been wanting to do for a while, and it's been a capacity issue and obviously a 
finance issue, a financial issue, is having outreach coordinators in in those communities that we would like to have a physical presence presence in. And I think one of the ways we are trying to tackle that now, while we still have limited resources, is the traveling exhibit that we have. Um, it's an expo style and sized version of eight by eight panels. There are three of them, double sided. Those have been traveling all over the state since October. Um, and I mean Mason City, um, Storm Lake, Dubuque, Des Moines, uh, Davenport, and there's a, tons of other communities that are on the list. And that is a way that um, has helped us to stay uh, present while we're, we've been closed, but it's something we will never go back. We, we can't go back to not doing that. And so um, that has uh, been a great way for us to uh, be present in the communities that we want to, that we want to be a part of, um, which is all the communities across the state, and uh, access, which um, has been certainly something that's been elevated because of that that move. And we've been partnering with a lot of public libraries and institutions of higher learning. So that's been a great way for us to to be able to be present. Okay. Brett. Uh, first off, if you do the uh, food waste, by all means have a cooking class and sign me up for it uh, <laughs> right now. Right. <laughs> right. Absolutely. Uh, how do you... You said that you um, reached out to the community to help you determine uh, what sorts of programming you, you offer. Can you talk to us a little bit more about that? Do you have a brainstorm idea of what you can do and then give options on a community survey, or is it more open-ended where um, they can suggest any topic? So I'll say a little bit of both. More the first. We um, we have an internal conversation. We have a running list. We have like a you know it has like maybe twenty topics that have been you know added over the years. Excuse me. And then what we do is we narrow it down. And a lot of it has to do with what we have in the collection. Nobody really wants to go to an exhibit where there's no artifacts, um, which is a struggle right now because at the library installation we have here in Cedar Rapids, there really aren't artifacts there because it's in a public space that's open to everybody. And so we don't want people walking away with, you know, or damaging something. Um, uh, so the survey, um, we send that to our, we use our constant contact, which is basically members and donors uh, and friends. And then we also have, um, you know, networks. So, you know, we all look at our networks and then our networks networks. So we want to make sure we send it out to as many people as possible. Um, and so we do that, like I said, every year. And we're actually, the one we just did was is for, I get the years mixed up because it's a school year, but we operate on a calendar year. It's just confusing. But <laughs> it's for two years from now. <laughs> so the Black Artist Exhibit was the one, is the one we're developing right now for October, this October. But we got the survey done last year. Uh, and so we're working on the one for after that right now which includes the foodways. And that's going to be interesting because foodways, we don't really have uh, artifacts to support that, but we still thought it was interesting and we thought we would put the work in in terms of getting some items if it was high on the list. And it was, there were three that kind of rose to the top. So. Okay. Ed. Yeah. Um, Hope I answered that question. Okay. <laughs> um, you mentioned that this, uh, this organization, your organization has its roots um, with a bunch of members of a Baptist church in Cedar Rapids. Mm -hmm. But, you know, this isn't the sort of organiz organization that you start, you know, kind of sitting around in the garage and tossing ideas about. Can you give us a little more history of what really got the ball gr rolling here financially? And can you talk about uh, how, much, how many staff members do you have today and wh what are your funding sources? 
Okay, so actually the the the, the story of the of the how the museum was founded really is like that. I mean, there were um, the found the main person, Tom Moore, who was uh, one of the um, executive directors and who I worked with for about a year before I took over as the executive director. Um, uh, is from Ohio originally, but he and some of the members of the church uh, were talking about, you know, we're seeing African-American history, what little there is being taught is fading away, and uh, we want to make sure we don't lose some of the, like you talked about oral histories earlier, we don't want to lose that. And so, you know, let's let's see if there's enough content to, you know, in the state to make an actual museum, and they found that there was plenty. And so that is kind of how it started. Um, the church didn't necessarily finance the museum, but it helped it get started, you know, filing its um, uh, 501c3 and, you know, those type of things. Um, so it really did start with, in that humble way. Um, and then in terms of our staff, uh, if we're at full capacity, we'd have eight, four full-time, four part-time. Right now we have five staff, um, and we have two. We have some vacancies right now uh, that we've just posted, like, in the last week or two. Um, and let's see, we um, have an operating budget of about 450000 um, And then uh, funding sources, a lot of grants, uh, corporate grants, and then um, a lot of sponsors for some of our events. We have two major fundraisers, Juneteenth and our um, annual History Makers Gala. And then we do we have sponsorships for some of our other programs that happen throughout the year, like MLK Day or Black History Month um, and some other programming. And, and we've got great support from local financial institutions. Um, and, again, we do a lot of partnering, so that kind of helps us to, to trim costs when we do things together. So um, we have a um, great membership um, base and um, we are really starting to get more into having conversations about estate planning and um, and um, the, the capital campaign, of course. And um, I will say, point to um, 2020, uh, at the height of protests happening locally and nationally, uh, like I said earlier, people's eyes were open and people were looking for ways to, um, to make a difference and to um, have their voice be heard or be an ally. And so we saw definitely an uptick in um, not just engagement, but in contributions, some were one-offs. Some were at the beginning of a, of a relationship. So um, we've, we, there's a lot of different things that, that play into um, how we um, how we're able to be sustainable. Our endowment is growing. So lots of things happening right now. Good. Um, I'm curious again because I love museums and and all the things that museums are capable of doing, um, and particularly uh, interactive. So uh, I was lucky enough uh, a couple of years ago to go to the uh, Lincoln Museum in Springfield, Illinois, and they had a Music of the State exhibit mm -hmm. that was all the music in, in Illinois throughout its history, and it was fascinating, and they were able to get all of these interactive kinds of things. They were able to get people to donate guitars and all of these kinds of things that you could actually touch and see and pick up and listen to and, and whatever. Um, and, and they were talking about the, you know, how exciting that was, but also, you know, logistically how difficult that was because you could only have something for a certain amount of time or mm -hmm. you, um, you know, you had to be careful this, you know, you had to really watch this thing because it, it might walk away. And, and so yeah. I'm, I'm just, <laughs> I'm just wondering how, um, you know, how you, in terms of what you guys do, um, how do you deal with that need for interaction um, and then at the same time that need for, for preservation and the logistics of, of making sure that, you're, that whatever materials you have for your exhibits are, are, uh, are going to make it through the process? Sure. You know, I think when you're used to working on a, on, a, on a slim budget, you get creative. And I think we've done a really good job 
um, of being able to um, make our exhibits interactive without, you know, um, you know, um, blowing the budget. And, uh, you know, we do have interactives that are technology, but those are kind of few and far between. We have um, almost, in almost all of the exhibits that I've been here through, we've had a post-it note wall of some sort where people can actually reflect and write down their notes. And we kind of integrated into the actual uh, theme of the exhibit. Um, I would say in our um, uh, redlining exhibit, there were doors, a lot of doors that were, you know, the, the, um, it was meant to, to demonstrate doors being closed and not opened. And so we had a post-it note wall where people could put notes on the doors. Um, and we've done that in all of the exhibits where we somehow do that. Um, and then we have things that people can touch. You know, I wouldn't say we have replicas. We try not to do that because we want when people see an actual item that it's actual is an actual archive. And those are encased. All of our archives, when we have them out on display, they're in, um, in they're encased, um, or um, you know, um, there's draping or or some kind of barrier around it. Like we have President Obama's um, podium on display from when he was here, um, and uh, you keep, people touch it. But we we try to we try to limit that as much as we can. <laughs> <laughs> right. All right. Well. We want to thank our guests for this 509th show, Lanisha Cassell, Executive Director of the African American Museum of Iowa. We've been talking about the mission and vision of the African American Museum of Iowa. Our history bus for today's show were Brett Menard and Ed Broders. ROI can be found at 9.30 p.m. Friday nights on KALA Radio or on the web on tunein.com. If you're looking for older programs, you can find them at soundcloud.com. Just put K-A-L-A Radio, all one word, in the search, click on the first icon, and scroll down to find nearly a decade of ROI shows. And you can also find ROI on all of your favorite streaming platforms. ROI is recorded at station K-A-L-A, St. Ambrose University.